On this week's Off the Back Fence, big dance recaps. NRL and AFL Grand Finals are complete. Seasons are done. We talk all things that happened in the games. We move into NFL Week 7 recap, EPL, Major League Baseball World Series, and a six-pack of fairy tale finishes and not-so-fairytale finishes for professional athletes. So stick around and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Off the Back Fence. Was live from Brisbane. Coombsy, very close to the lockdown ending, mate. How are we going? Very good. We are. I'm just checking the time. We're, I'm just going to say about 24 hours from, as Dan Andrews said, let's get on the beers. And I'm very excited. I've booked a table, one of the hottest seats of the, seats of the house for a pub for next Wednesday night for Origin. So I'm very excited. We thought that footy was ending. We thought wrong. Mate, we've still got another four weeks of it. A lot of things oh, happening. Shit, yes. We're all on massive, massive week as Australian sport. We've, I was saying to you, like, I had no energy today. Today was a tough day for me at work. But you know what? I'm up for it. We've got a lot to talk about, mate. So let's kick it into it. Start off with the racing. Two big race meets at Mooney Valley, Friday and Saturday. We had the Manicato Stakes night and to the Cox Plate. Hey, Doc winning the Manicato on Friday night. Fantastic run by him. I didn't pick him in my super coach. Want to be good mates who may be on next week. I had a great win on him. Uh, leading into the Cox Plate on Saturday with Sir Dragon up with Bossy having the ride of his life. Uh, what'd you take on the race, mate? Uh, Matacata on Friday night. I missed it because I was going to bed because I had a very early engagement Sunday morning at Urban Surf. <laughs> but I had all my money on trekking to win because I was planning to build a quite big kitty going on. And but yeah, hey, hey, Doc got him, yeah. And by three lengths, so it was a great ride there, especially considering it started to really hammer down with rain, um, late Friday afternoon in Melbourne. It was a wet track going into the Saturday, too. I remember that. I did, we were, I seven. yeah, uh, mate. And then Saturday, the Cox played obviously one of the great days of Australian racing. Uh, Sir Dragon that came out of nowhere, great run by Bossy to get him going. Sir Camelot, a little bit disappointing in my eyes. He's been an, a big talking point. Obviously, he's come from overseas to really give the Spring Carnival a big crack, but it wasn't to be on Saturday either. He came in, I'm pretty sure, third. So, but yeah, we, we, we're basically into it with the Spring Carnival, aren't we? We're only a couple of weeks away from the Melbourne Cup now. Derby, oh, Derby. Week, uh, oh, week, next week. Oh, next week, week next Tuesday, on Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Actually, yeah, we are recording Monday, aren't we? So, I'm about to walk into seven days of paid leave. Thank you to the CFMEU for <laughs> fighting for my rights. <laughs> and, yeah, so I'm going to be studying the form guide like I should have studied my textbooks at high school. <laughs> well, there's a massive TV at my office where I'm at at the moment, so, and it hasn't had anything on it. So hopefully they'll play the big race next Tuesday. But yeah, big day of racing on the Saturday. If I could, like I said a couple of weeks ago, if I was punting at the moment, I'd probably be getting a bit of cash from my place bets. But say la vie, no luck in that. We'll move on to the first of the grand final weekend. AFL up here in Brisbane at the Gabba. 
Lucky to actually happen. It was absolutely torrential Saturday afternoon. I was at Top Golf down on the Gold Coast, so I was lucky to even see the balls hit getting hit out of the driving range. Uh, but come 6.30, first bounce, the draining system, the Gabba was good to go, and it was Richmond who prevailed. 12.981 over the Geelong Cats, 7.850. Three premierships in four years. Mate, just an unbelievable performance. They were down at one stage 22 points, I think it was. Yeah, going into, I think... Quarter time, I think. It was either quarter time or it was half-time. Half time. I can't... Uh, half-time, going in half-time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Third quarter time, they were down by two. Right. But, yeah. But, yeah, it was it was a very hectic start to the game, obviously. Um, the elbow from Dangerfield, concussing Paul May from Richmond. I can't pronounce his last name. For, for Tasia or oh, for Tuja. Uh, t- but, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not one to... Um, pronounced names <laughs> and then in the same incident just down the ball um, Gary Ablett separated his shoulder or I, I, I as my WebMD um, skills gave I said it probably a depression depression in the shoulder socket so popped the shoulder out yeah but yeah we don't know what happened really there yeah it was a very rough start for Ablett obviously being his last ever game Made shades of Paul Pierce, obviously coming out of the tunnel, obviously a few painkilling injections uh, to get him going. I think as soon as he came back on the field, made a tackle, played through the pain. Um, I think it just spoke volumes of how he has been as a player. Like he just gives his 100%. Obviously, last game he would have just known, I've just got to play through this and I'll deal with this afterwards. Uh, Big question though, Dangerfield. He was one of the big talking points going into the match. Him versus Dusty went a bit missing. Uh, can we say that he's scared of the big dance or the big time? I don't know. I, just, I don't know because I, I can't say we've watched enough. In my end, I haven't watched enough AFL where the big games are. Yeah, but I think maybe the tactics were wrong. He was up in the forward pocket for most of the game. Twelve disposals when the. Um, Cats went on their run. He was in the thick of it a bit. So, and then he went back to the forward pocket where he seemed to just um, disappear in a thin air. Yeah, there was chatter after the half. Uh, Chris Scott had made a, a bit of a rotational change at the start of the third quarter. It, and that's when the Cats were up, and then that, and that's how Richmond came back into the game. I think they booted two quick goals, and they were back into it. Uh, there was a lot of chatter about that as a bit of a big brain moment from Chris Scott, but. It turned out to be the Dusty Show. The bloke is built for grand finals. Our first ever player in AFL history to get three Norm Smiths in grand finals. He's written himself into Richmond folklore, essentially, over the last couple of years. Richard, AFL folklore now. Oh, 100%. Well, he's won a Brownlow, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so he's won a Brownlow, three Norm Smith, three Premiership uh, winning player. Mate, it's a very rarefied air up there for him at the moment. Definitely. I think I saw a, a, a clip after the game. I think it was Trent Cochin being interviewed by Michael Voss and another three-time premiership winning captain. Like It was nine premiership captains just talking. Oh, Luke Hodge. Luke, was it Hodgie, was it? Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So, obviously, a, a fair bit of leadership in that one photo. Now, a contentious thing, not part of the game, but something you'd like to bring up, the entertainment. I'm going to bring it up on behalf of both codes. That was like, I know COVID, you can't get the big name acts, but looking in your own backyard, Brisbane, you have, who the hell's Shepherd? I might have tweeted saying, do, 
has S Club Seven came uh, as Australia got an S Club Seven budget budget act because that was like um, power to DMA is very good, but very you need something to pick it up. I would have gone with Ballpark Music, great Brisbane band just released a new album. Uh, June Rats, Jungle Giants, Violent Soho. Oh, there's just a few to name. Like Brisbane is not, it's not a drought of musical talent in that area. No. And then, and then with the NRL, like same Sydney's got the axe. Amy Shark did great. I don't didn't mind it. It wasn't too bad. Andrew Farris coming on stage doing Never Tear Us Apart, but you kind of need just big belting anthems. Oh, your gang of youths, your killers. Even Tina Turner, like those those acts, gonna always stand the test of time for grand final entertainment. Yeah, I'm I'm not with you on Tina Turner. I think that oh, that 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 one. whole nostalgic, like Jimmy Barnes doing the Fox League, simply the best in the destroyed Sydney football. Oh. No, like it, go away from it. Like I'll give props to Fox League over the last couple of years with their finals music. They had Royal Blood the first year I was home from the UK and then into, uh, I think it was Bring Me the Horizon last year as their anthem for the Fox League finals. This year, I think they've gone a few artists, which is good. You're right. One of the big things I noticed too with the entertainment was a lot of covers. I think Cub Sport did a Powderfinger cover. Yeah. Wasn't that good? No. Like, a lot of people were a bit, yeah, they were very divided. They obviously, you needed a bit of a pump up. I think... You could have done like Wolf Mother with the Brisbane Orchestra was all right for Joker and the Thief, but other than that, there wasn't like Covered in Chrome. I reckon would have absolutely shook the Gabba to its core. And then you'll have like have ballpark music just belting out, um, uh, just tripping a life, fantastic anything really. I fly, sad rich, future do just any of their great songs. I would have. I'd love to hear Fence in That would have got the crowd going, especially after the downpour. But, yeah. Is what it is. But uh, congratulations to the Richmond Tigers. Like I said, three out of four premierships in the last four years. Sorry. Uh, a dynasty. I, I think I retweeted a uh, clip on the Off the Back Fence Twitter. Um, and I think it was Gary Lyons on the uh, Channel 9 AFL show years and years ago. And at the time, it was ridiculous to say. But... I tell you what, Richmond, fantastic club. They had a plan in place and they got the job done with the three premierships. Speaking of three premierships in 10 years, uh, we move to our bread and butter. Uh, the Sunday night grand final, Melbourne going out victorious, 26 points to 20 over the Penrith Panthers, up 22 nil at half. Mate, a weird grand final in my eyes. I will say I'm the hottest gambler alive. Missing out on a $1,000 multi really stung, but hitting every other bet was fantastic. Uh, how did you find I, the game? I did, I did I did hit the first try scorer one with Justin Olin. Oh, well, fantastic. Well, that is a big, that's a big pick. <laughs> I did call last week that left-hand edge was going to get points. Yeah. So I, I backed my guts, but yeah. But that the game was great. Like, the storm's class. You thought maybe with a wet track in Sydney, it was going to be an arm wrestle, but the storm turned up. And I don't, as we probably talked about, maybe in our first or second episode, the Panthers have to lose. What you have to, the 
the old theory with the grand final is you have to lose one to win one. Mm. And I guess this was the time of the Panthers. And they, I don't think the Panthers actually turned up until 10 minutes into the second half. Yeah. I, I'm... There was a lot of biased commentary. I'm not going to get into it right now because I've got I've got an axe to grind later on. But they were they're off the ball. Um, a lot of mental like the, the Tyrone made tr- uh, penalty try where he kicked his leg out. A lot of people saying that shouldn't have been correct call. You can't kick out to prevent a try. He was easily going to put the ball on the line, so it's a penalty try. That's fine. The Nathan Cleary intercept to Vunavalu, that was just a mental... That was frustration. That left-hand edge were starting to get some attack going, but he just forced his hand. That Vunavalu, like, what a way to finish off his career with Melbourne. And then there was a lot of contention with the Smith try too, saying he was a loose carry, but it was a clear, like, play at the ball from um, Coruscant. And good on Cameron Smith getting a try on the decider. We don't know if it's his last game. The prick wouldn't tell us at the end of the game, but good on him. Yeah, he's fucking leaving. I tell you what, that his retirement speech definitely uh, left a lot of people probably very upset, namely Paul Kent and James Hooper. Uh, so, yeah, up 22, nil at half. But then, yeah, they sort of put the foot off the pedal. As soon as Pappenhausen scored the try, I think they, they really relaxed. It was shown with Bellamy. He got very angry in the coach's box. Um. But yeah, Penders came back after a very controversial first try. How'd you find it, mate? I found it like pretty much the same. Like I was very like as you're gonna probably point out later, the commentary Channel Nine's commentary is done and dusted. Channel Nine need to sign the rights over to uh, Fox. They're just dated. The Panthers just I don't I think they tried to play their um round football, round robin football in a big dance and just that type of stuff can't work when you're um, playing for a grand final because the Storm are professional, they're going to wrestle you and just like the class, like whole back lot, the back line for the Storm was quite quiet for the most of the game, I'd say. Yeah. But that forward pack, Nelson Asof, um, Asof, uh, I'm not even <laughs> trying to pronounce it now, I prefer Naz, let's call him. He... <laughs> Just chewed up, played at lock. The fringe back, the fringe back rowers, and um, Kenny Bromwich and Felice Cafusi were on fire. The forward pack were just absolutely doing what they do best. And then you had just the coming off the bench, everyone barred Nico Hines. But hey, not there's no shame in winning a grand final medal, no matter what. Like he did the hard, he did a lot of hard yards during the season, covering for Pappenhausen, Munster. He's done. He deserves it every bit of the way. Oh, 100%. Um, it, I did see Bellamy apologise to Nico Hines. You could see him mouth it when he was giving his ring up on stage. But at the end of the day, you've got to play to a game plan. Nico Hines is a very specialised player. He is a fullback by trade. Um, a fantastic utility, but that's the thing. You've got two utilities on the bench with Brandon Smith and Nico Hines. Smith more your stocky forward who can slot into a bit of a ball-playing lock. Um, we spoke about him earlier, that try from Pappenhausen, absolutely electric, a very deserved Ch- Clive Churchill medalist. It was either between him and Jerome Hughes. I think his sim bidding at the very end uh, obviously didn't help his cause. Mm. But I, there was just a feeling, and a lot of people were saying it, that Pappenhausen, a very dark horse uh, Clive Ch- Churchill medalist, 
um, very deserved. I felt he was uh, he was in everything, and just with that kind of speed, mate, you just you can't teach that. And it was such a terrible misread from Tyrone May and Cleary. It was very good defensively as well, and both of them are very good defensively. And just as he put his head down, ran the hole, and once he got through that hole, there was no one catching him on the field. Oh, no, there is there was not a player alive on that field that would have caught him. Maybe at a car and support, but that's about it. Um, speaking of that, do you think that Cleary big branded by putting May in the starting side over Naden? Hundred percent. Like, I don't know what his obsession was. I know it was defensive and stuff. But Naden did the job for you every week until the week before. Yeah. So why would you go change your tactics um, on the big dance? Well, that was a, that, I think that was the reason that he put him in last week against South because South had a bit of a reshuffle and he wasn't in. He He's not a. He's a halfback. He's not a centre. He's never played centres. No. As a junior, so and that, it's very hard to learn on the fly. Yeah, and he's. Like he played well against South, he scored that try off a kick, but that was about it. There was nothing to really write home about defensively. And then last night, it was his side that got found out. Like Olam and Adekar had a field day essentially. Adekar was surprisingly quiet last night. It wasn't really into much. Oh. Uh, but yeah, uh, Pappenhausen, mate. Uh, to cap it off, obviously into the New South Wales squad. We'll touch on that in a second. Cleary disappeared. Same for Lewile. Um, we've been, I've been praising him the last couple of weeks, but both of them weren't at their best last night. You could look, put that down to maybe their forwards weren't bending the line, but like your kicking game's got to like if your forwards aren't getting you the forward, the kicking game's got to start. You need to have, and he has a good kicking game, but the kicking game wasn't there this week. No, definitely not. Um, I'm going to say it right now, but when the when the going got tough. Luau turned into a bit of a min- mental midget, similar to what I see with Latrell Mitchell when things aren't going his way. Niggle. Chirping, chirping a team when you're down is not the way to go at all. It was seen with, I think it was Mitchell Pierce against uh, South, I think in the first round of the finals. He chirped, I can't remember who, and then, oh no, it was Cody, Cody Walker. So Pierce chirped Cody Walker in the first round of the finals. This is when the, store, um, the Knights were up. I think they were up 14 nil, and then yeah, you think Mitchell Pierce would have learned his lesson after calling um, Jonathan Thurston old. He he'll never learn, and I don't understand the team's fascination with having him in your side at all. He's never proved it. He may have won a couple of premierships with the Chooks, but they had great great sides. He's won one Origin out of his time, and to be fair, Tedesco carried him all the way to that. But anyway, mm. but yeah, last night with Luau. Chirpy got a bit niggly, let a few penalties in, and you can just see the frustration built. In the back end of the game, he was back to his live wire best, which was good because it was similar to Cameron Munster in the way he moves very laterally. Um, but yeah, just wasn't good. Cleary disappeared, unfortunately. Big game player, and he's nowhere to be found. I think he played his grand final against the Chooks in round one of the finals. Uh, yeah. But uh, – his trials is a bit too little, too late. Like definitely, he de- he definitely shot me in the foot with my bloody full time line with that bloody try. God, I was annoyed. Anyway, now- so what is your actually you've got to grind here? Because if it's like the rest of the countries, I'm lo- looking forward to hearing this. Now, by the if you went onto Twitter.com and you didn't watch the game, you would assume that the Panthers absolutely smoked Melbourne off the park. 
There is bias commentary, and I'm willing to cop it, but the fact that Gus Gould was so blatant with his support of Penrith last night, it was as if he really needed the validation of a premiership to say that it was his good work for the Penrith team over the last couple of years. This is the Gus Gould that sacked Cleary five years ago and then didn't bring him back in. This was past that. But it was terrible last night. Like, and the fact that Channel 9 probably won't pull him up on it is a bloody disgrace. We, you just mentioned it. I think the like the home of football is definitely not the home of football anymore. It's just, it's not fresh. It's, it's, it's not fresh, mate. And it's, it's shit. And you can tell like a lot of the Twitter that I was seeing anyway, like this is just a very subsection of it. Um, they were against it. Like, it's not as if the Panthers were playing bad. It's not as if the Panthers were getting robbed. That's the only thing. Like, the first try that got disallowed, it was clear that the second row had obstructed the defense. It did not matter that the defense was trying to attempt to tackle, but it, gave, it didn't give him an opportunity to cross and try and make a covering tackle to stop the try. That's an obstruction, plain as day. And no. Apparently to Gus, he was like, no, he was attempting the tackle. It was spelled out. Uh, it's It was genuinely frustrating to the point where I muted it for a good five minutes before I had to start listening again because it was just, it's terrible. And we were talking off mic with State of Origin where we can understand the bias because it happens on both sides. You have Wally and Fatty, maybe Thurston a little bit, but not as much against your Sterlings and your Gus and everything. It's a bit of bias, but it goes back and forth. This is just like... Sterlo's not so bad. Yeah, like Sterlo is by far the best commentator for unbiased analysis. Right behind him would be Cooper Cronk. But... And then Andrew Johns if... Yeah, if Andrew... Andrew Johns has their potential, but he he fell into the Gus Gould um, school of commentary, commentary last night. Yeah, and... But anyway, like, until something changes with free-to-air uh, football, whether that gets taken up by Fox League or another free-to-air channel picks it up, similar to what's happened with the cricket, with the tennis, it's just going to be the same old stuff. Rabs is obviously on the way out. He's He should have finished a couple of years ago, unfortunately. He's just he's well past it. Um, but yeah, like I... I was happy to be a very neutral supporter last night. I wanted the Storm to win, but I wouldn't have minded if Penrith. As soon as all that commentary came out, I was all in on the Storm. I wanted nothing more than Penrith to lose, just because of the absolute bias of the commentary. But you know what? That's as far as I'll go. There's no point of whinging about it. It got to the bad where I sent the photo of me putting in a complaint to the Australian Media and Complaints Board. But... I, I just did the usual thing, got on Twitter and harassed people. <laughs> but anyway, hell of a well, it's hell of a way to finish off a very weird season. Um, mm. The Smith now the, my- the Smith the, I'll finish off with the Smith uh, the Smith speech. I felt he was definitely making sure that James, um, James Hooper and Paul Kent's head were about to explode for not telling him if he was retiring or not. For for me, it had a very Wolf of Wall Street feel at the end. <laughs> yeah. Because you just expected him, like, he sounded like at the start he was going and we were both texting each other saying, I think this is it. And then at the end, he just decided to walk off and I was like, 
he was better off just doing the old Jordan Belfort, Belfort and just doing I fucking leave him. But Smithy, I think he's going to be I, honestly. I'm. I will say he'd be playing at the Titans next year for a one-year contract. It's it's sounding like it, isn't it? I know he won't probably won't go around again with the Storm. I'd be very surprised if he does. Um, like we were saying before, him to the Titans makes a lot of sense. They've freed up a lot of cap space. They don't really have a first-choice hooker. They've got Mitch Rain there, but obviously he's a very big cut under the current crop of NRL uh, hookers. Him in a one-year deal and sort of like a like a mentorship role for those young Titans makes a, makes a fantastic choice. A bit of a wild one we were talking about too is that one-year contract can lead into him going back to the Storm as a head coach. Could be a weird, could be weird because Bellamy might finish up at the end of twenty twenty one. Well, he is, but it opens that opportunity, which I'd love to see because I think he'd be a fantastic coach. Yeah, I think he'll be a good coach. Harry Grant's earned his spot at the Storm if they go that path. But yeah, I'd like to see Smithy go around again. He's still on top of it. Yeah, definitely. Like he, he could be thirty seven. He could be forty seven. He's he's still. He controls the game better than any other player has. Even the eighth immortal, who everybody praises, even said he's the greatest to see Roma football field, which is a big compliment from Andrew Johns because he doesn't give too many big raps like that. But anyway, mate, speaking of uh, Smithy going around again, we were hoping with the announcement of the Queensland and New South Wales squads last night that we'd see a C. Smith for the Melbourne Storm lineup in the 27-man squad. It wasn't to be. Uh but both squads were announced at the end of the grand final last night. They had uh, Brad Fittler on to discuss the final picks. I think he had seven spots left. Uh, one of the big... I, see, I think the New South Wales um, part of the squad um, seemed to went on for 15 minutes while the Queensland was just very quickly brushed over. Yeah, well, I think obviously Wayne Bennett's very reclusive, especially it was going to be 11 o'clock in bloody New South Wales by the time they had interviewed him, so I doubt that he wanted to talk to anybody at that stage of the evening. Um, Freddie did mention that one player that may have made the squad uh, was Campbell Graham. He ruled himself out with a groin injury. Uh, that paved the way for Jerome Luai to make it into the New South Wales squads, which is a fantastic reward for his year. Um Pappenhausen obviously made it in. There was a nice clip of Smithy finding out at the press conference and celebrating a little bit with Paps at the press conference, which is really good. Um, Dale Finucane went back into the squad. Look, they're out with injury New South Wales. There's a few that uh, that have withdrawn. Uh, Tedesco is still coming into the bubble. Um, whether or not he plays game one is yet to be seen. Uh, but it's going to be... I, an- wonder if they, I wonder if certain players in the squad can... Lift himself again. Like, can can you lift yourself after a heartbreaking grand final to go through again? Yeah. Is is the body right after having 20 weeks straight of football? Or there is certain questions going to be asked here because this is a whole new ball game. Yeah. And there's one – oh, you can see one little advantage the Queensland team is most of, the, most of them have had a two- to three-week break before getting back into camp again. Yeah. You're right. I'm. I'm. This will be a very big. This will be a good test to see if Origin can work at the end of the season. I think it adds a bit of an element of surprise. Obviously, you got players that may want off-season surgery, who are rep players, and they may not want to risk it. Rather get their body right for the upcoming season. 
it will be good to see. Uh, Queensland. I'm a traditionalist. I like my cricket five days, and I like my, I like my Origin on a Wednesday night in the middle of July. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I think I have, I have a whole rant on how I'd like to see the NRL in the future, but that's another. That'll be another separate podcast anyway. Um, Queensland squad was shored up, obviously. Cameron Munster got through last night unscathed, which was fantastic. His knee was obviously obviously going to be an issue if it got a bad knock. Uh, Felice Cafusi, Big Tino, uh, he got in for his... like He started this year for the first time into a Queensland squad, which is a massive reward for him. Uh, Kurt Catewell had a fantastic year with the Panthers too. He's back into the Queensland squad. Handy player, very Ethan... Um, Low-like, yeah. Low-like, yeah. Definitely. Look, mate, 27... Squad members, 17 of them are new. They haven't played a game of rep football for Queensland. It has the feel of 2001 with uh, when Bennett um, brought in all those debutants from the Cowboys. And 2006. Yep, definitely. And who knows? Like you said, the ambush might be on. Looking forward to it. Obviously, we'll dive a bit deeper into Origin next week. Uh, we'll try and get a guest on to that. Uh, but probably a bit of fun now. Grand finals have been done and dusted. Obviously, no Mad Monday or Silly Sunday on Swan Street in Richmond. But there's been some very good clips. Best off-field performance from what you've seen, mate. Has it been Dusty with Fisher or Brandon Smith with all-time interview with Freddie into talking about the CC cheese? Like if you cradle cradle in the trophy like a um like a child, while sitting sitting in the dressing room while everyone's sharing a beer, saying I'm cold. To the Snapchat, the Instagram story of them rapping on the bus. I don't know. Like Brandon Smith is a personality. Like he's a larger than life personality that the game needs. Oh, hundred percent. And I think we all need it because he's a throwback to the old like. Let's throw a couple of tins back and have some fun. But Dusty, Dusty and Fisher, that was a that was quite a bit of a highlight. Was, uh, watching those boys just tear it up, and I'm, let's just say I don't think that bubble was safe for Richmond on the Gold Coast. No, I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of weeks we hear about certain stories of players popping up on Kamalav or. Around the casino area. Yeah, I, I I did enjoy the Jack Revolt Dreams rendition of him and uh, Lynchy in the golf cart. Your lookalike? Yeah, was it Lynchy? Yeah, uh, yeah, Lynchy driving Jack Revolt um, thing, and Kieran wrote, "Is that was was with the AFL Premiership?" Hey, look at, I will take that any day of the week, because if that was me in real life, I guarantee I wouldn't be sitting in that golf cart. I'd be in a dark room with air conditioning down to eleven. Not 11, 18 degrees, ice cold, ice pack. Mate, mate, my drinking is just woeful. What do you reckon, mate? We'll move it into a little bit of NFL talk. A week seven in the books. Big, big week of NFL uh, results. Few upsets. Uh, there's only one undefeated team now. Uh, just running few. Uh, I went nine and five with my pick'em. You went eight and six. So a small victory for myself this week in the pick'em. Yeah, so like I mentioned, one undefeated team now, the Steelers, are uh, they beating the Titans 27-24? Uh, quite the game. Uh, what did you make of it? I saw the highlights and it was a close game and you could have gone either way down to a couple of plays. 
But I think the Steelers, their defense is hungry this year. Yeah, I think Minka Fitzpatrick, that trade last year from the Dolphins up to Pittsburgh was an absolute steal. Uh, I think he's just transformed that defense for them. Other results are the Seahawks, Sunday night football or Monday morning football for us anyway. They lose it in overtime. Uh, They were the other undefeated team up until yesterday. They got done by the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray, he was fantastic. A little bit all over the shop. There was a few second-year syndrome plays that definitely warranted that calling. Uh, But the Seahawks, no good against the Cards. Uh, A few other results. The Chiefs rolled the Broncos in the first snow game of the year up at Denver. The Bucks rolled uh, Las Vegas. I keep thinking they're Oakland, but it's it's Las Vegas Raiders now. Um, Gronk's back. Gronk is back. Gronk and uh, Tom Brady throwing picks. Uh, Probably the biggest story, obviously, out of Tampa Bay is Antonio Brown uh, being signed to a one-year deal. Uh, Being a former Patriot, Tom Brady uh, worshipper, Coombsy, what's your take on Tom Brady bringing Antonio Brown to the Buccaneers? I think this is Brady's way of getting what he didn't get last year and having Antonio Brown and gives them solid cover at the wide receiver spot. And even if Antonio, depending on how hungry old um, Antonio Brown is, he could even play in the special teams as a punt returner or, um, yeah, punt returner or kickoff, kickoff return. Yeah, I, I did read a lot of articles today. It's either going to be a decoy play because um, they've got a fantastic wide receiving core of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, and a few others there. He could also line up as injury protection for those players. They are very injury prone. Um, so I think it's a fantastic pickup. I'm pretty sure Bruce Arians, the coach of the Bucks, has said either be a team player or fuck off um, along those lines. So... Um, we'll, we'll see, I guess, with Antonio Brown. He's very, like, that was the circus of Antonio Brown last year, going from the Raiders to the Pats. Right. To, there was talk of him going to the Seahawks before he got signed by the Buccaneers. So, um, yeah, good to have him back in the league. He is a great, great wide receiver. He, there, what was it? I think it was a six-round draft pick. So, for the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day, he's a fantastic receiver, but I think CTE's got to him. He's, he lost his marbles there, but I think he's coming good. Uh, one of the worst worst plays of the week came from the Dallas Washington game. Did you see the uh, dirty hit? Oh, the helmet on helmet. Yeah, yeah. Andy Dalton was hit hit back into um, week week five. I think he, I think he thought he was coming on for Dak Prescott after that hit. Yeah, it was. It's terrible, and probably the biggest talking point we see to you is the helmet to helmet contact and. This defensive player, I can't, I can't remember his name, but he just lit him up. Um, one of the contentious points was there was no real fight from the offensive line of the Cowboys. Like usually with something like that, there's a bit of a scuffle, but there wasn't too much going on with that. How, what did you take on that? Yeah, it's very like if it was Dak Prescott, what do they stood up? Is Andy their guy? It seems to be a very disjointed team. In. Dallas, I don't think the players are happy with the coaching or the offer, the front office at the moment. So, but to ha- not have your back, a player's back when he's gone down injured is a bit weird. So, bit of a story to look up in there. Yeah, definitely. I, I've had re- read reports also with um, the Cowboys. They're definitely sticking behind Dak after that gruesome injury a week or so ago, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, 
but yeah, after seeing that hit and obviously the after um, the reaction afterwards, just a bit of a weird one with Dallas. Obviously, like you mentioned, the coaching in Dallas is a bit of a weird one at the moment. They did have Jason Garrett. He's now the offensive coordinator at the Giants. Uh, it's now Mike McCarthy, who was the former Packers coach. It's just weird in Dallas at the moment. And, but it's the same for the NFC East. Like It's a weird, weird division. Uh, I think the Eagles and the Washington are leading the conference with uh, the division, sorry, with like two wins. Yeah, two wins. But yeah, um, your team, the New England Patriots, probably will... Yeah, I'll I let you take this, this one. I think they're all got COVID because they can't suck that much to lose <laughs> that badly at home. Cam's gone around coughing in the change rooms, touching everything, done a bit of a um, Rudy Joubert. Um, but yeah, I, I just I think they're still on very limited practices for what's got from what they're happening. So I think they're only getting maybe one or two chess ends a week, and may, uh, maybe the maybe just the bubble burst. Cam getting sick of that kind of rule, their momentum going forward in the season. Like, and you can make the argument that Cam was like bad, and there was like a lot of talk that with COVID, obviously you could have foggy brain or. I don't know if that's true or not, but you have to also put a bit of onus on the defense. Like this is the New England defense that was ranked. They're missing the two players. Oh, are they? Yeah, right. a couple ah. of them opted out, and then yeah, the O line's extremely weak. So it's just it's a recipe for disaster. Maybe it's Bill Belichick ta- inadvertently tanking to finally get a decent um, mid 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 draft pick. First round draft pick for once, but yeah, just could be a long, long, long winter in the um, Massachusetts area this year. Yeah, well, I think that's going to be the case for uh, Boston sports fans for a while now. Um, one thing you also mentioned to me off mic, uh, you're thinking the NFC, their contender is going to come out of the West. Yeah, I think like you've got three teams that are five and two or five and one. And then yep. you've got the Cardinals are four and two, so they're they're together. Uh, that division is going to at least probably prop up at least two, maybe three um, playoff teams out of the bunch because they're seven per team this year. Per yes, yeah, like you'd be, you could go, you honestly go. Well, if it's a four division division winners, the number one seed gets the week off, whereas two, three, four, and five. Or oh, two, three, and four are obviously your division winners, and then five. Oh, was it five, six, and seven? They're your yep. wild card. So the NFC West at the moment, they've got they're very, very close to holding all the cards there. I don't know if that's clo- if that'll ever happen. It'd be an incredible effort, but with division games coming up for all those teams, I very much doubt it. But mate, yeah, a very, very weird. Another weird week of NFL. I don't know. It's it's the same with college football at the moment with. COVID hitting certain teams, players. I think I read somewhere with the Wisconsin team, they had a great win in college on the weekend. However, now all three quarterbacks are out with COVID. And they, with NCAA, they've said if you get COVID, you've got to sit 21 days. So it, it's it's such a weird, weird season. It's, yeah, it's very hard to see how you play amateur. The NCAA are notoriously bad for, let's, let's call it child labor. Child slavery. They they pro, they pro, the rich white man profit off the back of these student so called student athletes. 
If you want and a good, if you want a good clip, go watch the South Park episode. It's yeah. fantastic. So I think Deg in the heart, and those poor guys, Deg could they could see themselves lose millions of dollars through a bad season because of this coronavirus. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, that was the NFL anyway, mate. Another weird week. We're looking forward to week eight. Uh, that'll be fantastic. We've gone very similar in our tips, but we'll talk about that next week. Uh, moving on to the other major sport that's happening in America at the moment, which is about to finish, actually. Uh, the Major League Baseball. Now, we'll be very brief with it because it's nearly over. There's a lot that's happened. Uh, basically, it's gone tit for tat with the Dodgers in the race. Uh, game three was won by LA 6-2, and game five was won by LA again uh, 4-2. But the talking point for me, the ending of game four. Now, I sent you the clip of this yesterday because you had missed it. Tampa was down 7-6 going into the bottom of the ninth. Hit to center field. There was an error, so there was a runner that came around. Scored. They waved home the lead runner for the win. Another error in the in from the pitcher cutting off the, um, the throw. Throw was off. They scored. They walk it off to win 8-7. An unbelievable finish. Uh, so currently the Dodgers are... Uh, leading 3-2 and the best of seven. Game seven is uh, today. If you're listening on Wednesday, uh, it could be finished all up. Uh, game five was pretty much close. It was 4-2. Uh, the big talking point was Clayton Kershaw uh, winning his second game in the series, which is fantastic. Um, very deservedly for him. He's had a curse over him for playing poorly in the playoffs before. But, uh, yeah, baseball. Ooh. <laughs> baseball there's not really it's not my it's very hard to it's very it's a very hard to watch on TV I think from what going to watch Brisbane Bandits games quite fun but as a televised sports quite hard with a lot of ad breaks and yeah I find it to be the American cricket I've been to a few live Ooh. games and it's fantastic Whoa. Cricket is exhilarating. I can sit inside for five days and watch test match cricket. I'm only saying that because in nine innings you can polish off a few cans in the stands, man. It's it's a fun, fun time. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, uh, the major league's nearly finished up, so we're nearly down to one major thought in the U.S. There is talk. um, I did see this week that they may start on Christmas Day for the NBA, uh, new Year's for the NHL, so we may have sport back in the new year, so that, keep a look on that. Uh, the last overseas sport we're going to touch on is a sport that we follow pretty closely is the EPL. Now, I can take this. If you want, mate. You've got you, your team won, my team won, you, but you, yep. you take it where you want to go. Well, it's starting to... the. Contenders and pretenders are starting to shape. Man City are losing ground. They've got eight points out, yeah. of, a pot, out of their four games. They've only got a game in hand because they had a delayed start. Same with United. still haven't picked up. Um, they're still sitting low table. Your top four of Everton, Liverpool, Aston Villa and Leicester. But I can see the Everton wheels falling off the bus as it did against Southampton because... They, des- they finally deservedly got screwed after what they did to Liverpool the week before. Oh, and um, Liverpool are back. Fabiano on the centre back. It's just eight. Alison Becker's back. We, we can get screwed by VAR. We'll still win the league. Now, you say that, and I'm coming from a Spurs perspective, we're only two points behind. 
which I'm very, very happy with. They had a very hard-fought win uh, Tuesday morning against Burnley, 1-0. Oh, Burnley, whoa. Close the door, boys. We've won the title. Burnley, was it a turf war? Yeah, it was at Surf Mall. Oh, that's a, that's a reasonable win. Yeah, so you can pipe down, mate. Um, talking point, though, our players, Youngmin Sue, I think I've got that... Sue? Son. Son. Sonny, sorry. I can call myself a fan. Christ. Mate, how do you rate him? I find him an unbelievable player, very underrated. But where do you, where do you see him in the league currently with all the talent that's in the EPL? Um... Probably I'd see him at least maybe top 10 strikers. It's very hard because you obviously have City, you have two world-class strikers. Liverpool have three world-class. You have United with three. So there's, what, eight. That's, yeah. Uh, then you have Harry Kane, nine. Then you have, like, Danny Eggs, ja- Jamie Vardy. It's, like, he's a, he's a poacher. He's a pure out-and-out goal poacher, which is what you need as a striker instead of this – Hybrid like um, the hybrid midfielder, so he's gonna he's not gonna win the golden boot, but he's always gonna chip in for um, goals, and he seems to not have big an up and down form slumps like certain high profile players do. Yeah, he's he's definitely finding. I think he's stride. Like I think he's been South Korean Player of the Year two or three years in a row now. He's. He's been great. Like he's been a fantastic foil for Kane uh, up front. Obviously, I think he's been playing left wing, but I th- he's got pace to burn. He can score goals. He's been able to assist too, which has been very good. Because I think after Bale left initially, and we placed all our faith into Eric Lamella, who's been, to be honest, very bad. I'm going to say. I don't think he was given. I don't think he was given. You guys bought him to play. A very similar style of Bale, but when he was playing in the Serie A, he played a completely different style. Which and the Serie A is not as physical no, as you see with all. a lot of South American players. Don't tend to adapt to the English Premier League, and they end up playing a couple of years and pissing off. And that's what's probably going to happen to James or oh, James Rodriguez. <laughs> I see him having a good good bounce back year this year, and then probably get in another big ticket um, transfer. Back to Spain. Yeah. Well, but yeah, it's it's at the moment, obviously, they've only played a couple of games. It's very congested at the top. Like you mentioned, Everton top with Liverpool, Aston Villa, Leicester City, Spurs into Leeds United, who are currently uh, bringing up the sixth spot. Arsenal are down the list. Man City, like you mentioned, and Man United down mid-table. Uh, but plenty of soccer to go. They've only just really started the comp. With an international break, it obviously takes it a bit longer. But... Yeah, EPL's back, mate, and it's good to see. Like we we need a big, bit of EPL on the weekends. Big match of the round would be the Manchester United Arsenal game, the upcoming. Yeah, for this weekend coming, um, you boys have got Brighton Hove Albion against Matty Ryan at Tottenham Stadium, and then Liverpool will obviously do what Man City failed to do and kick the shit out of uh, West Ham. That's my okay. mortal lock of the week. Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool to win with the two and a half goals over, and over nine and a half corners. May I need? May I remind you of when you met, you messaged me after the AFL grand final? And you said, "Yep, rolling it into Man City to kick the shit out of West West Ham." What happened? Did it happen? uh, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> but like, 
Oh, but it's West Ham. It's they, they're the definition of Jekyll and Hyde. You're not wrong. Yeah, mate. I think that's enough for the sport. What do we say? A six pack. Yeah, I'm ready for have a couple of drinks, but yeah, I mean, it's, exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hell of a week. It's only Tuesday. Um, now we were discussing this. Obviously, grand finals finished up. We had the end of uh, Gary Ablett's career in the AFL. We didn't get an answer out of Smithy. <laughs> so what we were thinking of maybe doing a six pack of players that either went out on top or sort of faltered at the very end of their career. Um, We said we'd mix it up, wouldn't we? Yeah, we'd mix it up. Yeah. We can pick whichever we want want, because it's very hard. Definitely. No, because it's very, very rare that a professional sports player goes out on his own terms winning a comp. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. Now, I think I started last time, so I'll give you the honours of kicking it off for us tonight. I'm going to go with the dead man himself, The Undertaker from WWE. He... Um, famously was undefeated for 21 straight WrestleManias, then lost to Brock Lesnar, then had another soft victory, and then I think WrestleMania 33 lost to Roman Reigns, in, which was described as his retirement match. And he, I watched the, the last ride. It's very similar to the last dance, Doco. And he said that he, that was, he wanted to come back because he, if he was gonna, that was going to be his last match, he wanted to make sure he had a better one. So the Undertaker for an unfortunate swan song. Unfortunate swung song. Now, in the terms of wrestlers, before I move to my first pick, is he the goat in your eyes? Oh. Yeah, it'd be my Mount Rushmore would be The Rock, Stone Cold, Undertaker, and then probably John Cena. But yeah, that's a contentious pick, but at the same time, John Cena's transcended across a lot of countries anyway. Um, Stone Cold for mine is the GOAT. Just absolute weapon. My first pick of this six-pack is going to be something a bit closer to my heart, the 06 Grand Final, Brisbane winning it. Uh, Shane Webke going out on top. Uh, like we, like you, like I said, very tough for a professional sportsman to go out winning a premiership. Not many are able to do it. Webke was a stalwart in that Broncos pack from the date of his debut. I think it was in 97. Yeah, through the Super the League. Fame, the fame 2000 grand final with the broken arm. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't really, for the life of me, I can't remember if it was very publicized if he was going out after this game where he made the announcement grand final week. Um, but for a prop of his stature, he ended up with, I think, four premierships. And going out with a uh, premiership was just fantastic for him. So, yeah. My next one. I'm going to go for another bad swan song, Michael Clark. Oh, okay. This might be quite contentious, but I think he might have thrown the, co- the toys out of the cot after the Ashes in 2015 when he obviously wasn't up to shape to play. And he's, he, I, I think he wasn't the centre point of the team because it started to transmit transition to um, Steve Smith and I think he started to realise that the Australian public were turning on him. So he decided to walk out after a losing Ashes tour. Interesting take. Well, I, I haven't really thought about it that much to be fair because we slipped straight into Steve Smith so easily after obviously mm. like just the changeover with that Australian cricket team around that period too. 
It was just, yeah, very strange. Like, like good pick. Like, I, I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember that at all. But you're right. Clark did really change the opinion of the public. Maybe it was his marriages or how he, I don't know, his multivitamin ads. I don't know. Mm. Bloody ridiculous. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with you. Uh, gra- uh, another grand final ending that didn't go out as planned. Uh, Billy Slater in 07, uh, 2017. So this was a f- Billy Slater all-time fullback up there with Graham Langlands if you follow rugby league. Now, I don't know if many remember, but this is the grand final that he got off for... The shoulder was, charge? Yeah, it was the shoulder charge. I thought it was might have been a kick, but no, it was the shoulder charge. That's right. Uh, going into that grand final... Uh, oh, no. It wasn't 2017. Sorry, it was 2018. God, it was against the Roosters, not because 2017 was the last one with Kronk. Yeah. Yeah, so my apologies. But yeah, uh, 2018, going out like that, obviously Kronk moving to and being playing against Kronk with a busted scapula. A bit of a t- tough end for a fantastic and decorated career, obviously, as a representative player and a Storm Premiership winner. Um, bit of a weird one anyway. Well, I'm going to think I'm going to um, lift my mood, list of my mood, and I'm going to write down Justin Langer, Glenn McGrath, Shane Warne, the 2006 Ashes yep. um, walkout they had. Like, McGrath went on to win the World Cup, which he could be his, be his own, but to go out on top, score centuries, and take bag full of wickets throughout that se- um, series and go win 5-0 against England. You can't go, you can't ride a script any better than that. Oh, definitely. And they definitely had a chip on their shoulder after the, uh, it was the mid-year ashes over in England where they got yeah, done. It was like that, yeah, that was the edge Baston test where the, um, like it was, was it Kasperwitz or Bickle Four. or some, or someone was batting and they got out. And then Freddie, it was Brett Lee, sorry. It was Brett Lee betting and it was um, Flintoff that got the wickets. Yeah. Um, so that 06 one, I remember, uh, the Battle of Adelaide where Warney just weaved his magic. Oh. Hussey scoring the winning runs. But yeah, Andrew those- Simon's teeing off the sixth in the Boxing Day test. There's just great memories all around. Gilchrist's second fastest century in Perth. Um, Hate, Harmison's wide. Hayden dominating the Gabba with Langer. Just, yeah, plenty of memories there. Yeah. Oh, very good. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna keep on the negative side of uh, swung songs that really didn't finish or careers that didn't finish as well. JT's farewell tour. Yeah, <laughs> that, nah, and I want to know what do you think he should have been his last game? Oh, I honestly reckon he should have called it after he did his shoulder in Origin. Hundred percent. That was Person, that's folklore. That's folklore. That, he, that's he that's got, himself with one leg, with that's one got, arm. That's going out on top, kicking a sideline conversion in a state of origin to even it up. In Sydney. With a busted shoulder. And that whole, that whole next year where it was definitely his last year, it was similar to Derek Jeter, which I'll probably talk about a bit later on too, but it was just that retirement tour. We just had a terrible feel. That Cowboys side was not good at all. Yeah, it was it was just a shame for a definite champion of the game to go out that way. I think he got a surfboard from the Titans in the last ever game he played, which was a bit weird. But yeah, yeah definitely one of those ones you just you sort of feel for. You sort of wanted him to go out on top. He did get his premiership with the Cowboys as their go-to guy 
Uh, but yeah, that was three years after the fact. So yeah, um, mine. Oh, this is a very different one. I'll let you. I'm going to say this is going out on top. Darren Lockyer in 2011. Righto. He went out. Yes, he didn't get to play the next week, but he went out that week of kicking a field goal, bust a cheekbone, winning the game for the Broncos to go forward another week against beat the Dragons to go forward into another week into the finals. So for me, that's just going out on top, winning the game. That's going to be your last game. Yeah, that was his last game too, wasn't it? It was a bit... I remember I was at a, a function in Black or Western Queensland and they had no service. They got in Parja. They don't have Channel 9. They got in Parja at that stage. And we were lucky to even see the game and see their field goal. So, yeah, definitely went out on top. Not I don't think that's how he re- remember his career. I think he ended up uh, finishing up. I think his last ever moment was international football where he uh, slipped and missed the goal against England. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> hell of a yeah, hell, hell of a career. career. Oh yeah, and obviously, yeah, I still haven't forgiven Gerard Bill for that. And still, he like without Darren Lockyer, Billy Slater wouldn't have. He wouldn't be the type of full, Darren Lockyer is the prototype of the modern day um, fullback. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, I agree with that fully. I'm going to go with a bit of a left field one. Now, not many people will know this, but uh, NFL player by the name of Michael Strahan. Now, he finished on top with the New York Giants. He won the Super Bowl, the infamous Super Bowl where the Giants beat New England, who were going for the perfect season. Um, Strahan had already won one Super Bowl with the Giants previously, and they did it again. Uh, but that was just a, he was a fantastic defensive. He had sacks records for the Giants in the NFL before they were broken by, I think, J.J. Watt. Don't quote me on that, but that's what I sort of remember. And he was just an incredible defensive player. So to go, And he had a big, big career also. So I think him going out on top with a Super Bowl win is a pretty big pinnacle for American sports. Oh, my number five is going to be Steven Gerrard. This one hurts for me to say it. Yeah. Because he was such a great player. What happened to him in that 13-14 season, that no one no no person in sport can say that a guy who's gone through the, from juniors all the way to seniors to cap captain in the club, um his boyhood club. To lose it, being figuratively, it was his fault that the title slipped away from us. Now, are you talking? Are you, are you talking specifically about the slip? The slip, yes, the slip. Cool, because I, because like, I'll tell you a story after this. Yeah, but yeah, it's just like it came back 14, 14 15. They sold Suarez after the World Cup after another biting incident. That's right. They bought Ricky Lambert and Balotelli, which was I, I can't. There's just that famous photo of them at the Bernabeu and it's just an unrecognisable Champions League squad. And one of his last Manchester United games, he only lasted 20 seconds, got substituted on, then was sent off straight red for a two-foot, two-footed tackle. <laughs> so uh, maybe the game just passed him that last year. Now, th- this is a story. I don't know if you would remember this, but this is how far our friendship goes back. I was in a small pub in Rochdale, north of England, near Manchester, during that Liverpool-Chelsea game. And this is at the start of our friendship where we'd thrown a bit of bar back at each other about our picks and whatnot. 
And I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I messaged you and said I'm in a pub in um, in England watching the Chelsea Liverpool game. And as soon as that happened, I was like, "You've lost the title." I don't know if you remember that, but I do. Oh, <laughs> I, I can remember being in Carnarvon Hotel and having a full blown tantrum. I may or may not have broken something or hit a, something off a bar, but I was not very happy because it was a seven a seven pm kickoff in WA, so I was loving it. But oh, yeah, just like. Definitely, yeah, I think you – I can't remember you saying that we lost the title. And I copped it from a lot of mates, preferably Luke Alderson, which maybe one day we'll get him on the pod and he can describe the torment I do to him once the Broncos beat the Bulldogs or um, the Maroons beat Queensland because I leave him a lengthy five-minute drunken voicemail message. But, yeah, <laughs> that's for another day. Oh, very good. Uh, my fifth is going to be a bit of a weird one. Like, I'm going with Derek Jeter. Now, Derek Jeter, obviously, Yankees legend. He announced he was retiring at the start of the season, went on a massive farewell tour, weird presence from every single Major League Baseball team. Um, the Yankees were never going to make the playoffs. However, he ended his career with a walk-off single uh, to win the game, their last game of the season, which I think is a bit bittersweet. Um, but it just proved, I think in that season two, he got his 3,000 hit. Um, I think that was the case. Uh, but yeah, very bittersweet one for me anyway. Fantastic ball player. If you ever watch baseball, you're going to watch three different players. You're either going to watch Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, or Derek Jeter. I feel they were the three players, in my eyes anyway, that epitomized what baseball was. So down to our last picks, mate. What do we got? Uh, my last pick will be White Lightning himself, Mick Fanning. For yes. 2018, the Bells Beach. I'm going to say it was a great going out, making the final in the competition. He won on his, his first competition, winning one eight many moons ago. Lost to Italo Ferreira. I remember I went down with a couple of mates. We got to see him surf for the last time. And then I was doing a cashier in Brisbane and probably this guy's not going to be listening to this. I think he paid for out of the 20 hours of labor, I think he paid for six hours of me sitting there watching the surfing on my phone. Mick <laughs> uh, Fanning, outstanding surfer. I was, more surfing, of a, even I, better I, bloke. I was more of a Paco guy. I just like they're just both seem to be very like approachable guys, very, very down to earth. They they just look like two teenagers who still haven't grown up together. Oh, definitely. Well, I think surfing is one of those sports where you can sort of have that vibe, especially if you're an older older surfer on the tour too. I feel you can still hang with the young groms, eh? Yeah, definitely. Now, I'm going to go with my last pick. It's only just come to my head because I only had five and I was really, really struggling to think of this. But obvious choice for me, as he's one of my favorite ever football players, is Cooper Cronk. Oh, yeah. Now, that's, that's so and if people in Australia remember, obviously Cronk was a mainstay for the Melbourne Storm, won a couple of premierships, two stripped, obviously, with the salary cap. Finished up in 2017, winning the premiership with Smithy and Slater. And then, obviously, he left Melbourne uh, for love to follow his uh, darling wife, uh, who worked for Fox Sports. Ended up signing with the Roosters. Now, at the time, I was on the proviso that I thought that this would taint his career. Like, I think 
there's no point of him going. He's achieved everything in his career, rep honours, premierships, daily M's. But he then went on to win two more premierships, one with a broken scapula, obviously, in 2018, and then uh, getting his personal three-peat in 2019 before bowing mm. out. So um, the, old, the utmost professional, one of my favourite memories of Cronky is that field goal in origin where he slotted it from 40 metres out. We were behind... Um, we were in the stands watching, and I can watch that ball every day of the week in that position and just see it sail in. It was fantastic. Yeah, um, that's a good six-pack. I've got a couple of honourable mentions on my list. I've Perfect. got myself as one. Uh, that, <laughs> my, last, <laughs> my last game for New Farm. Um, I, I shouldn't have played that season, but the last game I ever played, I made a usual just part pass and tried to went do a lap around the right left winger and my hamstring completely just went on me and I sat out on the ground like a child in the sandpit and told the referee that I need I'm gonna need someone to help me uh, walk off the field here. <laughs> and then I and then I've got GI and for just how that season ended, but hopefully it's gonna be we can change that script. And I can't think of the other one, but yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're going to go your as a um, memorable finish or unmemorable finish, I'll go mine. My last ever game of uh, footy against Middlemount, Emerald. Uh, this is where I hurt my second disc in my lower back, which is probably what I'm fighting off at the moment. Uh, ended up going back on the field. Three tries, four goals. Absolute blinder of a game against Middlemount. Uh, yeah, three days later, couldn't walk. He's in hospital. Terrible, terrible end too, but I never played it. Oh, I played one game of charity again, but that was after a heavy rehab stint. So, But, mate, yeah, six-pack done and dusted. I think that's our episode done and dusted too. I think we've gone the, uh, a lot of time. Yep, but I've got my um, – I'm going to bring this thing in. My love for Sean Marsh. We're going to have the weekly Sean fact. Right. This okay. weekly Sean fact is Sean Edward Marsh was born on 9th of July – 1983 in the town of Gin in Western Australia. Did you pronounce that right? Narragin, yeah, Narragin. <laughs> it's N-A-R-R-O-G-I-N, Narragin. Okay, I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, stay, stay tuned over summer. We'll have a lot more Sean facts. Oh, fantastic. Uh, thank you to everyone that has been tuning in. Uh, make sure you go subscribe on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and now. It's taken a little bit of time, but we are on Google Podcast. Shout out to our listener, Marty. Uh, he pointed it out. Unfortunately, Google Play has been shut down in Australia for podcasts, so I had to, it took a bit of a workaround this week. Uh, but that's now up and running. We're all on other uh, podcasts, Stitcher and whatnot. So if you can find us, have a listen, give us a rating. Feel free to roast us. Like We haven't, yeah. we haven't got to Origin next week where there's a few... Uh, tough names to pronounce but uh, yeah so if you do like what you hear give us a rating uh, give us some give us a review uh, we you need can personally slander me with my gambling picks because it is very hot and cold and yeah just we both got very thick skins and if you if you try to get a rise out of me I most likely will bait bite and then I will try to bait you as well so let's have some fun <laughs> definitely you can also go slander us over at uh, off the back fence on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, But yeah, thank you very much. Next week is our Origin 1 preview. We will have a guest, a friend of the program, Mark Maguire, from the regular show, his own podcast, uh, to come on and talk all things Origin, his love for Queensland football. Uh, But for this week, I think we're all done and done, mate. Any last words? 
Um, nothing much this week. I'm very excited to finally be able to get on the beers at the pub. So it'll be a very interesting chat time to try to find a, a pub that has enough of a booking space for maybe just one person, two people <laughs> max. Well, you're gonna, take your, you're, gonna, you're gonna take your girlfriend to the pub, mate. That'd be very nice. Yeah, I'll take Dan, Jess. Maybe take Dan as well. Oh, that's a bit cute anyway, mate. I reckon the first ones won't even hit the sides. No. <laughs> and that's the end of our Off the Back Fence for this week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you guys next week. Thanks very much. See you guys.